It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. You can find me on Twitter at Nasty Newts, N-E-U-T-Z. With me today, as always, is Josh Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. Uh, big day for us, Josh. How's it going? Uh, it's going great, man. It's been a fun day. We, uh, as you mentioned, we launched the website today, DynastyOasis.com. So that was uh, that was a big deal uh, for both of us. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but just generally, uh, it's Super Bowl week, and I'm jacked up, man. We've got um, really one of the more you know hyped, I think, Super Bowls in my recent memory. Um, I think the stat that really carries the entire uh, the entire Super Bowl is that if Tom Brady wins this. Uh, he will be the single winningest any entity, excuse me, uh, in uh, NFL history. He'll have more Super Bowls than any team combined. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun week, and I, I can't wait to get into the show tonight with you, Newts. Yeah, we don't need to go too heavy on the Super Bowl on this episode. We have another show this week that'll be, uh, probably uh-huh. be a lot more Super Bowl uh, uh, heavy than this one. You know, there may be some discussion here and there, but for. Uh, for this episode, we're going to kind of review the Senior Bowl. Um, I think we're just going to have a bit of a general conversation on taking on orphan dynasty teams. Uh, it's an important way to keep these leagues going. Uh, oftentimes, people leave leagues for whatever reason. So um, a lot of these sites are you know, offering discounts to get in, uh, taking over a team. So we can kind of talk about that a little bit and uh, my personal strategies for which teams I adopt and whatnot. So that should be fun. It's a good way to scratch the fantasy itch this time of the year where there aren't that many startups going and trading can kind of hit a lull so uh yeah just kind of you know some more discussion based stuff this show yeah i like that the way you put that uh a lot of dynasty leagues would would die without orphan or uh you know adoption managers like yourself kind of taking over uh teams that aren't always in the greatest uh position haven't always put put themselves in awesome position but uh you know, leagues would die without some of these good people taking over these teams that maybe weren't theirs from the start or aren't uh, exactly shining teams to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I shouldn't um, like sell this as if all these teams are in horrible shape. Sure. Uh, it's it's hard to screw up a dynasty team that badly to where <laughs> if you're usually bad, you still have some good assets, whether it be a, a good draft pick or at least someone young that's not quite there yet. So I do have a few that are maybe a couple of your rebuilds that maybe I was just getting a little anxious and um, wanted to add more teams. But uh, a lot of my teams that I did take over, I, I see a pretty quick path to a turnaround but before we get too heavy into that uh kind of the biggest news we got to discuss is the the matt stafford block yeah. what was your uh initial impression when you heard the news uh i was absolutely shocked that they, that they would pay that much that this is la would pay that much for matt stafford now um we can get into the jared goff conversation about a um I don't think he's as bad as he showed last year. I don't think he's as good as he showed in that Super Bowl season. Um, but obviously that contract was a big detriment to why they were able to get so much out of this deal. Um, I was shocked. I, I kind of, to be real honest with you, I hated the the move pretty much from all standpoints. I think Detroit, a team in, in the division for the team that we root for, the Vikings, obviously, uh, just got loaded up with a bunch of draft capital. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not heavily invested in the L.A. Rams in any of my dynasty leagues. Uh, I was really hoping Matt Stafford would um, end up in Carolina or Denver um, or San Francisco was was one that I know was rumored around there a bunch. Uh, So kind of just a bummer from from the, you know, the whole deal for me. But uh, how do you think Stafford will do in L.A.? Um, Are you do you feel like that's upgrades for that offense and for the weapons around him? Um, where does he maybe go into your quarterback ranks? Let's let's start on the LA side and the impacts of 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 Stafford there. Yeah, now will be the first time of probably many times in the future where I I, pu- I plug one of my blog posts now on DynastyOasis.com. <laughs> Shameless uh, plug there. I kind of wrote about this today, and uh, I see this as a plus for pretty much everyone in the Rams offense, uh, especially at for Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, even Van Jefferson. Um, 
but and and Tyler Higby because it looks like Gerald Gerald yep. Everett will be gone. Um, so I, I see this as a plus for him. But for me, it doesn't really move the needle a ton on Acres. It's it's not moving him down, but um. And Stafford, really, I'm not, like, shooting him up my rankings like I see a lot of people talking about. Detroit was always a pretty fantasy-friendly offense for right. him because they're a bad team. Oftentimes, they're, you know, doing the the fourth-quarter comebacks against prevent defense. Mm-hmm. Stat Padford was his nickname for a little <laughs> while there. Matt never had a hard time putting up stats in, in Detroit. So this, this is a better team, and he will probably be more efficient. But uh, at the end of the day, in fantasy football, it's not really about efficiency. It's about tallying. And I don't know if the tallies will get better. So it's maybe just a neutral for me, for him. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of the tallying part, I think everybody throws enough at this point where if, if he's efficient, he'll have enough volume there. But, I, I, you know, I think the thing that really scares me here, and it's something we've talked about now for two or three years with the L.A. Rams, um, obviously they haven't had dry, high draft capital because they've, you know, been trading it away for Jared Goff initially and then Jalen Ramsey. Um, but they've also basically neglected to take anybody in the first three rounds at the offensive line. Um, Matt Stafford, I think people have a perception of him as older than he maybe is. I, you know, I was a little surprised to learn that he was only 32. Um, so he's not, he's not Tom Brady. He's not on his way out in a year, but it's a guy that's faced major injury or, or significant injuries over the last two or three years and an offensive line that doesn't really protect uh, for long durations very well. What Goff kind of did, or the one thing that I did think he did pretty well that could help that offense was they could move the pocket, they could get him on the run, and he was pretty good from those positions. I think Stafford might actually be worse in that regard. Now they don't have first-round picks for the extended future, They've kind of shown a propensity not to address that position. I just don't know why we would believe that that's going to get better. And that scares me both from a health standpoint and from a uh, Stafford being able to be efficient in this offense. Yeah, this trade reeked of desperation for the Rams. And uh, I wasn't trying to short sell that. Um yeah, this this they're they're going way all in on the the present and the now. They know Aaron Donald's prime is. I mean, he's still probably got a few years left, but they got to you know they got a transcendent Hall of Famer first ballot guy. Why waste him with more years of Jared Goff? Jalen Ramsey's you know one of the elite cornerbacks in the NFL still, mm-hmm. and their primary skill position guys, Cup and uh, Woods, are both what twenty eight years old on yep. on big contracts already. And yeah, they had already kind of mortgaged a lot of their future, and they have been doing these types of moves for a while. So yeah, things they're not going to really add a lot of youth to this um, team unless you're talking about you know late round flyers and under drafted free agents but it's a team that could get really old in a hurry and i think they're already probably one of the older teams in the nfl so this could fall apart pretty darn quick if if they're not careful yeah it's an awfully scary situation and i think for one year at the very least the product i do think it's a production boost for the two wide receivers you mentioned um i do think they lose gerald everett i'll just throw bryson hopkins name out there real quick um i'm pretty sure he, he's still on the rams maybe they've had to cut him since the end of the season but um, uh, a good player, a guy that I like coming out. If, if there's a second tight end spot open, you know, Higby's not been the uh, bastion of health the last couple of years. So um, just kind of an interesting guy. But I do think the Rams skill position players in general get a boost. Um, switching over to the Detroit side, I think before we even discuss how this affects any weapons that may still be around, because obviously Swift will be there and Hawkinson will be. Uh, it's pretty up in the air with the wide receivers. Um, but before we even get there, do you think Goff is this team's quarterback next year? Or do you think this is, they took the bad contract on, they're going to, you know, keep him around and maybe start him for a couple of weeks over a rookie that they pick? Um, do you think this is just the start or do you think they're committing to Jared Goff here for a year or two? They're saying everything in the media or in the leaked information that they view him as a franchise quarterback, that they didn't view him as a you got to take this guy off her hands that they actually targeted him and wanted Mm -hmm. him. And maybe that's just them saying these things to, uh, to kind of boost his confidence and his ego. But um, all that being said, I do think he's their quarterback next year. I think if they draft, I think it's still likely they do draft a guy. Um, I'm not saying Goff holds that job year round. If he struggles, they're going to probably turn to the rookie. But I think Trey Lance is kind of the guy they're targeting, just me speculating. And it would be kind of a a good spot for him to just kind of sit there and learn for a year and practice. I know Goff, maybe not the the best mentor you could ask for, but um, 
Yeah, I, I think he's probably the starter most of next year. If that's how this shook out, I would be uh, I would be really disappointed. Not because it would be a bad move, but uh, I just man, I would hate to see Trey Lance is one of my favorite prospects and and players in college football. I don't really want to see him go to a division rival. Um, as far as the skill position players, um, if Kel- Kenny Galladay came back, uh, which I think is a big if at this point, and I think it's probably more likely than not Marvin Jones is gone, but let's say they did come back, or or Quintez Cephas. Do you have any big take on how Goff and just sort of this quarterback position might affect them in 2021? Yeah, I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that uh, both Galladay and Marvin Jones will be gone. I know there's uh, a chance that they could franchise take Galladay, but I think if they did that, it would be in in effort to trade him and get some value for losing mm-hmm. him. I guess Cephas is the guy that I'm kind of targeting right now in a buy, um, just because I think he's going to find his way into targets next year. I, I don't think he's a special talent, but I think he's um, – somewhat interesting and i think there's a good chance for him to to be a high volume guy next year and a bad team the efficiency might not be great but um i think you could get him for peanuts right now and i think he'll be more valuable um week four week five next year than he is right now so i'd try and buy him if i could get him for like a a fourth round pick or something and you know hawkinson and swift i've i've seen takes out there already that this is a downgrade um if if, certainly, if you can buy Swift on a on a ninety percent value drop right now, I'm doing that. Hawkinson, we've talked about throughout the season not being overly you know overly impressed with um, his skill set. He's certainly a solid guy. I've always given the the Heath Miller comp. Um, this is maybe enough news to me where um, I would try to get out from Hawkinson. Now you've obviously lost a little bit of value, but I think people were overvaluing him prior to this. Um, so I think if you kind of still look in the range you were looking, um, you're probably going to be all right there. I think he's a guy that I would move. Certainly. Um, I don't know. Goff's made productive tight ends before, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not thrilled with this. And frankly, I think the other interesting moving part here is if Detroit at seven is not able to get a quarterback, if, if Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, um, go in the top five, probably would take somebody moving up, but, um, if that happens, I think the interesting, I think they could take wide receiver here would be, um, and because I do think Galladay is going to leave, un- unfortunately, um, because obviously he was kind of a late round pick for them and a guy that they kind of made there. But um, I'd be interested to see kind of, you know, if Jamar Chase ended up here, Devonta Smith ended up here, I think you would end up getting a situational um, price reduction by 90%. It might be the best thing for uh, dynasty managers sitting more at four or five in a draft as opposed to one or two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could certainly see something like that happening and it's not, you know, obviously anyone's preferred landing spot for those guys, but you might be able to, like you said, sneak them a few picks later than you otherwise would have. Um, there's obviously not, everyone's going to end up in the the best possible landing spot. Not every, not everything can work out in such a juicy fashion. And, and like we've mentioned in previous shows, there aren't that many roles open right now for wide receivers. So, um, (laughs) This the, there could be a lot worse, and the thing we've learned over and over again about the NFL, yeah, stuff looks pretty darn bad right now in Detroit. But like you said, they got a lot yeah. of draft capital. This could turn around pretty quickly. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it won't. But they have kind of the ammunition now to to do kind of to kind of build this team the way they want. And whether you believe in the vision of the regime right now or not, I, I think this is a thing that could turn around rather quickly. Yeah, and I, I hope I hope we're both wrong because that's sort of what I am projecting is this is the type of move that can you know really turn around the prospects of a team long term more so than in 2021. Um, but I don't think anybody was predicting Detroit to win the Super Bowl next year anyway. So I don't think anything really changes from that regard. And I think they greatly enhance their chances in the next five years of of actually being a competitive team. Um, boy, it really feels as I think you said it best. I think it reeks of desperation on the LA Rams side. Um, that being said, McVay's got a guy he can trust now. And I think, um, I think at least for the short term, it will look like a successful trade. Um, how it tracks out long term, we'll just, we'll have to see. Um, you want to get into the website a little bit? Yeah, uh, something we've been working on and kind of percolating for quite a while, and I'm I'm super excited that it's that it's live and ready to go. Uh, we've been writing and kind of planning it out. Uh, I think the biggest thing 
um, is we offer our rankings on the site. We mm-hmm. are going to blog. Um, so we're, we're going to try to put a couple of blog posts out a week, kind of pair with each episode of the podcast. The pod's on there, but our rankings, we kind of wanted to do a little bit differently than a lot of people. Um, so we're doing a tier-based ranking system. So uh, I don't know. Do you want to kind of talk about our, our ranking system a little bit and how we broke it down by tier? Yeah, that's no problem. Uh, yeah, so um, we sort of look at, at rankings as, uh, you know, we want them to help you. We don't want you to be sort of, you know, slavishly looking at our rankings and taking the person that we want, you know, or that we have highest, essentially. We want there to be some wiggle room. Um, so we're trying to define tiers of players where everybody has their, you know, favorite, you know, flavor of ice cream, for example. Everybody has their f- favorite flavor of dynasty player. And um, I think when you look at the values of players, you can sort of start structuring them in, okay, I don't have a problem if you take one of these players w- over the other, um, just so long as you're taking them over all of these guys. So I think that's what, what the tier-based rankings do, is they give us some wiggle room um, to basically allow you as the dynasty manager to kind of make your own decision in some regards uh, while being informed by the tiers we have. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a good way to kind of admit our blind spots or our biases, but also like say, yeah, I understand. Like I've always been kind of biased or against like James Conner, for example. But okay. I recognize where like he probably should fit into the tier. So like a guy like that for me, just as an example, would be probably at the bottom of a tier. Where it's like if you love this guy, I don't have a problem with you taking him over some of these other guys in my tier. But it's just a good way to kind of contextualize our opinions and and not just because you see one guy ahead of another that it's set in stone that you have to do it this way. So I, I love the idea and uh, I think it's going to be a lot more useful than just looking at a, a list of names. Yep. And I will mention that we have, uh, we have rookie rankings up there, but they're currently still from the 2021 class. Uh, we, we both had kind of acknowledged uh, on, you know, when we started doing this, that, uh, Super Bowl will be the point where we change over every year from the whatever the current class is to the upcoming class. Um, so that's just a little less than a week away. Um, I'm actually already started kind of kind of working on my rankings. I feel pretty good about through 24 names, but we usually do about 50 rookies. Um, so that's one thing you can kind of get a glance at sort of how we had these people finishing. Um, and then uh, very shortly, we're going to have uh, ranks for the upcoming uh, rookie drafts because uh, that's kind of what is on everybody's mind right now. And uh, um, those players won't include into the uh, positional uh, groupings until they have landing spots, until the NFL draft, essentially. But at least sort of an idea so you can start, you know, planning kind of where you're at, start moving up and down. Um, maybe this is a good time to mention hold on to your rookie picks. Uh, typically it's much easier to move down, um, on draft day than it is to move up. So, um, kind of hold on to those things for dear life. They're only going to be worth more than they will be, or they're going to be worth more and more every, every passing day. So, um, sorry to go off kind of on a rant there, but, uh, so rankings are a big thing that are up there. You mentioned the blog and the podcast. Um, the other thing that I'm putting up on the website is both um, the, the historical data, uh, for tight end physical graffiti, which I'll be writing every year. It'll be coming out, uh, in the summer months. Uh, but there's also a link there to, uh, dynasty nerds where that, uh, article is primarily housed, but, uh, sort of the secondary data is kind of even, um, deeper than some of the stuff that can be included in the articles on dynasty nerds. So both as a historical checkpoint, um, and to sort of let somebody who wants to maybe look even a little bit deeper in, well, how did this person perform on, the corner route from the slot position as opposed to the wide position as opposed to from the, uh, the tight end position. Um, it, there's even some more deeper data there that uh, if people are really interested, they could check out. Um, sorry, I kind of went for a long time there, Newt's. The- oh, that's all right. I, I got a good nap in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, some of the stuff we already have posted uh, on our blogs. Uh, I mentioned that I had uh, written a little something about Stafford, uh, a lot of which we covered on the show. Um, yes, it is a dynasty site, but I thought, you know, a fun bit, get a few of our buddies together. And we kind of did a, a way too early two round uh, mock draft for redraft mm-hmm. next year. So that was kind of a which fun I exercise. Crushed, by the way. Yeah, I you, crushed had some, all of you. you had some good squads. Um, 
I gave a little bit of analysis for each pick and then kind of explained my logic for my pick. So that, that should be a fun little read. And then, then you ranked the, uh, the 2021 draft class by position group, which I think is a, a really good exercise and I'm glad you did it. That was a fun read. Yes, your team may be needy at a certain position, but is it you know worth reaching for need when maybe this uh, position group's uh, having a down year like you expect defensive back? Uh, you're not too high on this D-back class. No, not particularly high on the D-back class. I do know that there's a couple corners that will go high in uh, fairly the opt-out out of uh, Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech, excuse me, and uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, the second out of Bama. But uh, it's, a, it's a thin secondary class, I'll say. Um, I think the other really important part of, of why I did that exercise or why I think that's important um, is so much of that can determine draft capital. And as dynasty managers, that is a big thing that weighs into our rookie analysis every year. Where did an NFL team take you is going to give uh, a big indication of what sort of level of opportunity you're going to be given within the within the organization, how many different chances you're going to be given within the organization, um, it, it weighs pretty heavily into the rookie evaluation. And so um, when you find that a class is really weak at one position, uh, that's something you kind of want to know because that's going to push, you know, maybe a lesser player up a board higher than he maybe should in a normal year. Um, or in the, in the inverse, as was the case with last year's historical wide receiver class, it actually pushed some really, really good prospects down into a range where it sort of made people raise an eyebrow a little bit. Um, I'm thinking Denzel Mims. I'm thinking LaVisca Chenault, where it's like they're first round talents uh, type guys. And they almost didn't didn't get drafted in the second round. They went right at the back end uh, without that context of how strong the class is overall. I think you're prone to, you know, maybe missing on some of that type of stuff uh, when comparing it historically. So that was uh, something that, uh, yeah, I enjoyed doing that. And then um, I'm going to have another post up this week, uh, kind of some some local senior bowl standouts. Uh, kind of the thing I like about the blog and the website is that, um, yes, we are going to have a lot of dynasty and redraft content, uh, but I don't have to be quite so dynasty focused. Um, so I've got a couple local products from the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, we didn't. We're going we're gonna to talk about the Senior Bowl here in a second, and and for the most part, none of them will really come up because uh, they're not skill position players. But uh, you know, I I enjoy the NFL and and all the the players and positions that go into it. So. Uh, that should be out probably tomorrow, and it's excited. Something I'm excited to look into uh, even a little more. Awesome! I look forward to reading that. And yeah, the beautiful thing about the site is we don't have a boss telling us what to do. So <laughs> we're both Vikings fans. So you might get a little bit of Vikings rants and raves right. from me here and there. I'll probably give you know a little bit of breakdown on on the game every week for them to just kind of on a personal level. Uh, we we we're gonna kind of do what interests us, and hopefully that interests you. Absolutely. Uh, should we move on to Senior Bowl, uh, the Senior Bowl game and, and recap? Yeah, let's dive right in. Um, I don't know. How do you want to start this? Do you want to just kind of go with the, the most impressive player um, who impressed you the most? Well, I think the easiest way to make sure, because I, I do want to hit on most of these names that we got here. I feel like, you know, not all of these guys are going to be day one or, or especially day two picks, but um, I do I do feel like I learned a little bit of something about most of the guys in this class. So I think maybe the way to start it is just to start out with the quarterbacks. Sure. Um, I, I think probably the place to go to begin is is Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. Um, we've we're, we're pretty well on record in terms of what our opinion is of those guys. I believe that they're going to end up in the first round this year. Um, you know, I don't really want to talk about too much if they deserve to be. I think they will end up in the first round. I think they're probably more borderline early second, mid-second picks in a normal year. Um, but with how much uncertainty and, and open spots there are at quarterback, um, I, I do think both will be in the first round. It's important to note they didn't play in this game. Uh, Mac Jones, it looked like, actually really, really wanted to play. Um, but, you know, obviously just coming off of the, the, the national championship. And I believe he said he had a little bit of a nagging uh, was it ankle injury. I think he he said one way or the other on the yeah, uh, I think it was broadcast. Ankle. Was it ankle? Yeah. So um, we didn't get to see him play, um, and same with Trask. And I think that was a disappointment because for the most part, and I think we, we'll probably agree with the, the player who did play good at the quarterback position, but for the most part, uh, it was fairly tough to watch. Um, Jamie Newman came into the week as my quarterback seven, and I'm, I'm willing to give him a little bit of the uh, rusty factor here. 
but he looked just utterly lost out there basically for the entirety of the game. Um, Kellen Mond was a guy that we both talked about at the start of the week. He had a great game. What did you see there from him? Yeah, I know uh, I was probably out on a little bit of an island before the game thinking that I personally liked Mont more than Newman, and I feel kind of justified in that opinion. Mm-hmm. Mont still, he looks to me like he's a guy that's capable of doing just about everything you want from your modern NFL quarterback, and I didn't see anything that uh, led me to feel anything differently if anything it kind of galvanized my take on him i'm not saying he should be a first or even a second round pick but i think he's going to be one of those sneaky third or fourth Mm -hmm. rounders that could develop into being a really good player if he's got the mindset if he's got the work ethic and if he's got good coaching and the drive to improve he's still got some warts that he's going to need to wrinkle out for uh for the nfl game but he's a guy i like and a guy that i'm going to be really interested to see where he ends up yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I brought up the Dak, uh, Dak Prescott comparison coming out of college where it's like high-level producer at a young age, obviously Dak at Mississippi State, um, but Mond at Texas A&M here, um, and just sort of these doubts about whether or not he can continue this at the next level. Um, he hit a lot of those those check marks, but one thing we've talked about off-show um, that we didn't, you know, we haven't really talked about here is um, – Dak Prescott, I think, is the comp, but I also kind of think Russell Wilson, when you're talking about that third-round area of guys that were successful, and they landed in the absolute perfect scenario. So my question is, and I I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. If you don't have a good answer, just let me know, because I, I feel like there's one spot in particular where I do feel like that he could land where he might have a chance to be instantly successful. Okay. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't thought about this really where I'd like to see him. Um Man, off the well, top of my head. Okay, why don't you tell me, and I'll tell yeah. you whether or not I agree. Well, so I'm looking at teams that are not going to be able to go spend on quarterback, um, don't have the draft capital to go make a big swing at quarterback, um, and are probably you know going to be stuck in this third, fourth round. Kind of who's going to miss out on the quarterback run? And this is also you know uh, supposing I guess that Drew Brees retires. But I think I look at the New Orleans Saints and I go, yeah, you got to rework the Taysom Hill contract, but I really don't think they're going to be able to afford to bring Jameis back. I think he's going to command enough money on the open market where he's going to go find a destination. Um, I think they're going to be looking for a guy in this range in the NFL draft. And boy, it would be a you're talking about a really good offensive line check mark there with, with with the you know if you're comparing it to Dak Prescott. Uh, good running game with Alvin Kamara, um, one or two good weapons in the passing game, a, a coordinator that can that can scheme things up and can coach it up. He doesn't have to play right away. They can let Taysom Hill kind of do the Taysom Hill show for six, eight, ten weeks, potentially. I I don't know. I think it would be really interesting. And he really he he stood out in this this game to me. Uh, Mon did, uh, and I, he got the MVP. So I mean, he's probably stood out to everybody, but. Um, do you have any other kind of spots that you might think would be interesting? Oh, color me sold. That sounds very ideal. I, I couldn't th- imagine really a better spot than that for uh, a Mon supporter. Uh, yeah, that would excite me. And that would, uh, that would certainly push him into the second round range in Superflex rookie drafts. So, uh, I think that would excite a lot of people, myself definitely included. I thought maybe Denver, if they missed out on a, on the quarterback carousel, um, not necessarily nearly as juicy of that a spot, but I'm yeah. just really, really wanting them to improve that position. However, whatever means necessary. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think Mon's a guy that I like. So hopefully he ends up somewhere uh, juicy like New Orleans. That'd be sick. Yeah. And obviously he and Newman were on the same team and it was so obvious the difference between the two players. Some of the same, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the same issues. Um, in terms of when I saw them under center, it took them a while to get out from under center, almost like they weren't able to anticipate the snap. They weren't quite right with the ball security. There was some really bad footwork from Jamie Newman um, in terms of just trying to turn and hand off from an uh, under center position. Certainly those are things you can learn, but um, just in watching those two on the same side of the, you know, same side of the ball, same, same Jersey, same offensive line. It was pretty clear who the better player was. Um, and maybe we should have expected that because of no no reps for Jamie Newman all year. But uh, I, frankly, I've, I don't have any reason to not move Kellen Mond to the quarterback seven at this point. I think he's kind of the next up behind 
uh, Mac Jones and, and Kyle Trask, and I'm willing to let film uh, swing me towards another player. Uh, but it's really nobody here. I think Ian Book and Felipe Franks were both as disappointing as Jamie Newman. Yeah. Um, neither of them looked very good. And frankly, they had an even better offensive line. Uh, I think left to right, they had both of the kids out of Notre Dame who are going to be, you know, late day two, early day, day three picks. Um, they had uh, Spencer Brown out of uh, Northern Iowa and Dylan Raddins out of out of North Dakota State uh, and, and Creed Humphrey. I mean, they had a absolutely awesome, awesome offensive line there. And it was like they'd give them six seconds and the processing speed for Book and for, for Franks was just it, it wasn't there. And, you know, the arms and the ability are OK. But that was the thing that stood out, that there is time and there is a pocket here and they couldn't find receivers um, in the two and three seconds you need to at the NFL level. Yeah, I didn't see anything from the national squad as far as the quarterback room that piqued my interest in any way whatsoever. Uh, It was kind of interesting to me the way they set this game up as far as uh, there was no pre-snap motion allowed. Mm -hmm. um, And the defenses, I think, were what limited to cover two and cover three schemes and no blitzing. Cover two, cover three, no blitz. Yeah, there was there's a lot of different sort of little things. It's basically as bland a coverage as you can give. Yeah, right. So just a a preseason NFL game game if you will yep but, uh, uh, yeah let's get on to the running, running. yeah let's yep. do that uh probably start with michael uh carter the star no of this doubt. game uh he really improved his stock i gotta imagine you mentioned the biggest concern with him is pass protection which he didn't really have an opportunity to uh show any improvement on with no blitzing but he looked pretty <laughs> yep. pretty darn good in this game again i thought he looked awesome and i gotta think about where i'm gonna rank him but it's probably going to be pretty high. Uh, I might put him just behind his uh, teammate Javante. Yeah, no, I, I, I could honor that. I would, I would not have a problem with that. I've got him behind Ramondre Stevenson here, who did not have nearly as good of a game. Uh, Carter obviously had both the probably the nicest run of the first half, uh, hurtling the uh, the the scoreboard or the Reese's advertisement at the end of it, uh, about a thirty yard gain, and then kind of the run of the entire game showing the power. And yeah, it was kind of a rugby scrum and the, the two Notre Dame helmets probably pushed him in as much as uh, he pushed himself in. But uh, Michael Carter really did stand out in this game. And you're right. He didn't have a chance to show pass pro, uh, but I think he showed that he has the power and tackle breaking ability um, despite being an undersized player to, to be successful at the next level. Um, I mentioned Ramondre Stevenson couldn't get much going. But really um, no one did other than Carter. <laughs> No, not really. Um, frankly, the guy that I wanted to talk about um, was Chris Evans. He was kind of a standout in practice this week. I, I had a chance to watch the uh, the second practice of, I already forget if he was national or American, but uh, he's a big kid. He's like 6'1", 215. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that you can kind of split out of the backfield, can play a little bit of wide receiver. Um, I think he's a good athlete. Obviously, we're not going to get a combine, so we're not going to get proof on that, but we'll, we'll check the pro day. Um, Chris Evans was a guy that interests me a little bit. Um, I thought Elijah Mitchell sort of was pretty bland to me this week. Um, he seems like an undersized power first back. Um, he really did nothing in this game to impress me. Um, Khalil Herbert, I think, you know, we talked about how good he looked in pass pro didn't really show that, but, uh, really never got a running lane, got a chance to get into open space in this game. Um, boy, Larry Roundtree was, God, he can't run. I, I, yeah, he did. He, I, any opinion I had of him was gone. I, I see nothing NFL, NFL skilled in him. I no. don't think that's a name we even need to really talk about anymore, to be quite honest. No, I just, yeah, he can't, there's no burst there. There's no juice. Uh, Trey Sermon didn't play, unfortunately. Um, Kylan Hill got a couple reps, but again, I'm so underwhelmed when I watched Kylan Hill. I think, um, it's going to be interesting to see how much his draft stock falls in the actual NFL draft where NFL evaluators are on him. Um, because I, I guess I don't see what everybody else sees when I watch him. No, really. When I watch almost all these guys other than Carter, I just see a whole mess of ordinary. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't done the work on Ramondre Stevenson that you've done, but so far from, you know, this game, I didn't really see much, but I'm willing to forgive that and, and dig deeper. But uh, really any of the other guys that I did do more work on, I just like, okay, this guy is just a guy. I, I, it's gotta be a lot of, a lot of perfect situations arising for them to mm-hmm. be, 
fantasy relevance. So it's just like, why do I even need to care right now? Um, it, it, you'd be doing 17 levels of speculation to imagine a good fit for Kylan Hill. Um, so I'm just, uh, I'm kind of out on most of these guys, to be honest. I thought the wide receiver position was a lot more interesting in this game. Yeah, well, maybe the way to transition then is, is a guy who's still listed on the Senior Bowl roster as a running back. Kind of was a standout both in practice and the game. Uh, but I think he's going to probably play more of like a Tavon Austin or um, Tyler Irvin type of role. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the Packers potentially adding a first-round Jet player. Uh, Demetric Felton, who looked really good here in this game, actually got nicked up and kind of had to leave the game with a little ankle injury or toe injury, as it looked to me. Um, but but kind of uh, still sh- uh, kind of showed out. Um, Caught the first touchdown of the game, just a really nice, you know, stop route and and make a guy miss for the for the touchdown. Um, he's a guy that was winning downfield, um, early in routes, late in routes. Uh, he was a guy that really interests me this week. Um, kind of in a guy that has that dual position eligibility. I've heard a lot of Naheem Hines cops. So um, he's kind of an interesting guy. Uh, Who would you have at the wide receiver position? Yeah, he had uh, Felton did impress me a lot in this game. I, you know, only had a few grabs, but showed a lot of wiggle. You know, he's definitely a certain uh, type of player, like you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious where he lands. I think he's got a role in the NFL um, at the very least as a gadget player, but yep. I do think he earned himself a, a draft spot somewhere. Uh, kind of the guy that uh, impressed me a little bit more that I didn't really know a ton about was uh, Des Fitzpatrick. I thought had a really good yep. game. I know he had a couple of drops early, right? But great uh, second all, half. Though. All yeah, in all, really I thought he really part. shined later on. Yeah, he did. He had a spectacular catch right at the end of this game along the sidelines. He was kind of the priority target in the second half. Uh, He showed out to me, and, you know, um, I haven't dug into Tutu Atwell's tape yet, um, but I've definitely got some Louisville tape here that I'm I'm close to getting ready to watch here, and he'll be a guy that I now look look out for in that regard. Um, I do want to mention kind of Kadarius Toney uh, was a standout from the week of practice. He didn't play here. Uh, Tylen Wallace was also a standout from the week of practice. He didn't play here. Same with Dwayne Eskridge. Um, so we can just kind of knock those three out. All three played, I think, well, for sure with Dwayne Eskridge, I think did enough in practice where his representation just shut him down and said, you've done enough. We're not going to let you go out there and get hurt. <clears throat> um, as far as the guys who did play in this game that really impressed me, Amari Rogers, I mean, uh, I don't know how much upside there is for him. But he's a good player, and he's going to be a good NFL pro. Uh, the throw Mon made to him in the, in double coverage, he takes a big hit, holds on to the ball. He really impressed me. And I think the other kind of, you know, maybe low upside but high floor player that also shined here was uh, Shai Smith out of South Carolina. Did have one drop, but it was a really good play by the secondary uh, player. It was, I believe, uh, Norwood out of Oklahoma. Uh, came in, put his helmet right on the ball. Shai had actually pretty much secured it. Um Popped it out, though. But he had a couple big grabs in this game. Um, seems like he's one of DJ, Daniel Jeremiah's favorites. And uh, he kind of impressed me here a little bit. Yeah, I liked Shy. Um, I thought your guy Frank Darby made a pretty nice catch he in did. this game. Yeah. Uh, I was glad to see something from him because he was kind of just a name to me that I hadn't really uh, had an opinion on a, in, of my own yet. So I, I thought he looked interesting, you know, small sample size and all that. But uh, definitely want to do a little bit more digging on him because I kind of liked him as well. So Well, I'm glad to see he's keeping uh, Nike in business with all the armbands he's wearing on his leg. I'm sure he was like, Coach, this is my last time. I got a swag to the max. Yeah, four armbands on the one leg. It's like, dude, can you get blood to your foot? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't even a- notice that, but that's funny. Yeah, it was. Uh, it stuck out to me. I don't know why. The other thing, just kind of as a fun note, I love the look of of everybody wearing the same jerseys and the different helmets. Just aesthetically, it's so pleasing in these All Star games. Just kind of a side note there. But uh, the other guy that kind of impressed me, and I, what I really don't like about him is the build. He's got the broad shoulders and kind of narrows as you get down further towards the hips and legs. Uh, but Josh Palmer had a really nice slant route on. Uh, I believe it's Pete Taylor. Forgive me. Uh, corner out of Washington, who probably, of all the players in the game, um, at any position, had the best day. Um, but really, the one route he got beat on was a quick one-yard slant at the goal line. 
um, on uh, Mon's second touchdown. Good timing throw, but really the the win was at the line of scrimmage on a nice release by Josh Palmer. You know, I didn't see him stick out kind of the way it seemed like everybody was talking about him this week. Said he stuck out in practice, that is. Uh, but in this game, he looked good. I think there's maybe something there as a developmental fourth, fifth, sixth rounder. Right on. Uh, we didn't really talk about any of the tight ends. Did any of uh, them do much for you? Well, it's funny. The guy I think who stuck out the most in the game isn't even listed on the roster that I'm looking at right now. Uh, so Hunter Long is is for sure the, the player who was at the Senior Bowl was going to be drafted the highest. Um, he didn't play in the game. In fact, I think he left a little bit early um not in the game but just left the senior bowl early um but i think at the very least in practice he showed that he's got the size and the skills to be an nfl tight end the guy in the game who had the 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 best game was well both kenny yeboah who had a spectacular catch right at the goal line and then actually the guy who replaced hunter long um bates out of out of boise state kind of impressed me um, but it wasn't a strong tight end group. Nobody really came away. You know, Trey McKitty was kind of the practice, you know, uh, standout because he made a couple one-handed catches. But that sort of thing can be pretty fluky. I think Kenny Yeboah and Hunter Long are still the two that are going to get drafted highest. And Kenny Yeboah, I don't know, he's got a little bit of a David Joku feel to me. So uh, he was kind of a guy that I was interested to see coming into the week and did at least enough. Um, to keep him on my radar and let's see where the NFL takes him and where he lands. Right on. Actually, one of the plays of the game, I know it wasn't a tight end, but I just remembered it, uh, that kind of blew me away the most was from a fullback from Michigan. I, blue. I yep. ben, ben something or other, I can't even remember his last name, but Daniel Jeremiah had just got done talking about him, and then he just had like one of, a pancake from hell on some poor linebacker. He just destroyed someone in a run block. So I think he probably got himself a job in the NFL with that block alone. He, he was uh, kind of a freak out there. Yeah, no, they said he uh, that he uh, uh, was the two-time toughest player at, at Michigan or voted the, the toughest player at Michigan two years in a row. Uh, and that's that's saying something considering the offensive linemen they had come out last year, uh, some of the defensive players they've got this and every year, basically. Uh, yeah, he I saw that play. D- DJ basically called it out, and he put a guy in his back. So that was, that was funny to watch. I think some of the offensive linemen really stood out, but I'm not sure – um, how much people want me to talk about that. I met, mentioned Taylor, the, the corner from Washington. He really stood out um, to me kind of as some that other. The gopher uh, corner looked pretty good to me. St. Juice looked very good. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I, that was good to see. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought there was some interesting defensive players in the game, but really no one that like blew me away personally. How about you? Well, no, speaking to the, you know, we had talked earlier about I ranked the defensive back class so low. Um, I think one thing you did see in this game that was interesting, I've talked about Taylor, you mentioned St. Juice, and then Obi Melifonwu's younger brother, I I already have forgotten his first name, unfortunately, but um, uh, out of Syracuse, Melifonwu, all are these long 6'2", 6'3", long corners. Um, In fact, Taylor, you know who he really reminds me of is standout uh, Viking Cam Dantzler. Like the same very, very skinny, slender, narrow frame, but very smooth turning his hips and in the back pedal uh, can just stick with anybody. And then the ball skills are good enough to go and make a play. Um, those three corners in specific stood out. Um, and then there was a uh, corner out of Central Florida who I know they were. Yeah, Richie Grant. And he's uh, uh, both safety, corner, nickel, hybrid. Um, I thought he was interesting in this game, too. Right on. Um yeah, so uh, I don't really have a whole lot else from Senior Bowl stuff. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Not really, other than sort of when this game got over, I just the realization kind of sunk in that sort of uh, vague pro day numbers and, and grainy video from pro days in some instances is going to be yeah. kind of all we get between now and the NFL draft. So Yeah, that is a bummer, isn't it? It, well, it is. And then on the other hand, sort of the optimistic side of me kicked in and it's like, that means there's a bigger, there's more meat on the bone this year. There's more of an edge to be gained this year by putting in the work, doing things like watching film on, on Dynasty Nerds Film Room or listening to this podcast or the Dynasty Nerds podcast or any of the other great places to, to get information out there. The people who are prepped, the people who are prepared, the people who have done the work are going to be the ones that the margins are going to be even bigger this year. And so that was one thing that sort of as disappointed as I am that we have no combine. Um, 
I'm also excited in the sense that it might kind of be a draft year where it's the Wild West, um, and the people who have done the work are going to be the ones who are successful in that environment. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, this uh, off season's just about to begin. Got one more game left. Uh, this upcoming Thursday, we're going to do kind of like a I th- – I'm going to come up with some sort of game for Josh and for you, the listener. I'm going to do some sort of prop bet-related game for the Super Bowl. So I'm not quite sure exactly how I'm going to do it, but it should be fun. Hopefully something you guys can play along with. So Thursday, we're obviously going to talk about the game and all that good stuff, but I'm going to try to give you a game that you can play with. Uh, play with us on your radios. Absolutely. Should we get right into the uh, the the second topic of the game? Kind of an evergreen uh, little bit here. We'll talk orphan strategy. Yeah, I kind of forgot we were doing this. I was getting ready to <laughs> sign off, but we might as well. Yes. Uh, so uh, I've been obsessed with taking on orphan teams. Uh, we kind of brought this up. I think I'm up to something like 12 different dynasty leagues now, and uh, I maybe need to slow down because I do want to do some startups. But uh, sure. Uh, I'm sure there are other ways to to look at uh, orphan teams, but the the service I've been using is SafeLeagues.com. Scott okay. Fish of Scott Fish uh, Bowl fame kind of commissions all of these leagues. He does a great job, so I just wanted to shout him out a little bit. But yeah, Safe Leagues and my fantasy league, they they brag about they've never had to shut down a league before. Yep. They do a really good job at finding replacement managers for teams. Uh, when when someone has to leave, it could be they they took on too many leagues and they can't afford it anymore. They they had a kid and they don't have the time for this much mm-hmm. fantasy football anymore. Whatever the reason is, sometimes you know leagues need to turn over for whatever reason. So it's a good thing um, that there's. It seems to be a fair amount of people like me that are that are looking at this site frequently at the orphans page and just kind of scrolling through. They do a really good job laying out, you know, the the players that were on the team, the draft picks that they have upcoming, and just kind of giving you a quick, you know, snapshot of the state of the organization. Um, and then you can bid on the team. If if there's a $50 buy-in um, after their deposit or whatever, it may cost 65 But if you think that team's kind of in rough shape and you kind of want the challenge of taking it on, but you don't want to pay full price, bid 35 bucks or whatever and so if, if no one else bids you you get that team is that is that kind of what you're looking for when you're looking for orphans are you trying to buy ready-made rosters is it all sort of what you're into that day kind of um just talk me through because i've never done uh an orphan and and you know the more i'm hearing you talk about it the more it's making me want to do it and almost not even just want to do it but feel a little obligated to do it kind of on the premise of what i said earlier in the show about leagues would die if people didn't kind of take these on um and you know nobody wants to see a 15-year league die because one team had to you know had had life circumstance take them you know out of the league um so what are you looking for because i think i'm gonna i'm gonna dip my toe into this into this pool here at some point this off season kind of what are you looking for when you're you know recruiting an orphan team or looking to get an orphan team well, I'll, I'll kind of go through my my process throughout this uh, this off season. Um, I kind of wanted to do this for the show in a certain respect. I wanted to experience more situations with team building, so I can give okay. more yep. examples of uh, of taking on teams with players that I probably would have never had if I did the startup draft. So I can explore um, trades with selling you know ezekiel elliott a guy i traded a few weeks ago he would have never been on any of my normal teams but um basically the main thing i'm looking for i guess on my bids for when a long story short is premium assets um even if it's a bad organization or you know the team doesn't have much do they have the 101 coming up do they have the 102 an early first is uh, kind of what I've been looking for a lot more often than not. And then a lot of these are super flex leagues. So am I screwed at the quarterback position right. or not? Uh, a lot yeah. of them are, you know, everything looks good. You got Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, you, you know, a couple good receivers here. You got all your picks, but then you got, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Drew Brees are your only quarterbacks. It's like, oh, <laughs> so how do I fix that? Yeah. So um, imagine, you know, yourself as a manager, what are the steps you're going to take? This offseason, is it a team you can put in the position to either A, improve enough to be a playoff team and see what happens, or B, is this a team that I'm going to be playing for the 101 the following year, and do I have a path to to filling my biggest needs? 
Well, I think you hit on the key there, and that's that's kind of, you know, at least maybe attacking this from a mindset of I haven't had to do this before. Um, but my sort of biggest thing that I could think of is you have to know, know know the settings of the league, know what the league, you know, requires in terms of scoring. Um, if you're doing something for the first time, especially if you're jumping into Superflex for the first time or if you're jumping into IDP, um, very simple things like going and just looking how the scoring broke down at those positions, the previous year, just sort of um, modifying in your brain how that's going to change things and then go look at at rosters because I think unless you understand that on the very front end, you're going to end up... Because I think the important thing for me when I take over an orphan is not necessarily... I can deal with a rebuild. I, I like rebuilding rosters. That part's actually almost more fun than trying to contend. There's less stress and it's more like, you know, just kind of playing with house money a little bit in terms of moving things around. Um, so I don't mind the rebuild, but at the front end, when I get into this team, I think you, you really want to have a good idea of what the team is so that your expectations are in the right place so that you're um, moving assets and, and proceeding in the right fashion. I think it's very easy to, to adopt a team and look at it when you adopted it and go, this is not a good roster. And then it's, on, you know, it's on your profile. It's on your you know, list of teams that you're managing. And now it doesn't look so bad for whatever reason. And um, just having the right expectations and understanding the league coming in was kind of the biggest thing that I thought of as I'm sort of going to take the dive here at some point. Yeah, and why don't we just kind of um, – I'm I'm on the Orphans page right now. I'll just kind of go through this first team right now. It's okay. a $30 league, so not a huge commitment financially. The current high bid on this team is $26 total. So for a $30 league, they're asking for $30, $10 for a first-year deposit and the $6.95, uh, some sort of gambling uh, – Surcharge, yeah. Okay, SHGN yeah. fee, whatever that stands for. <laughs> so you'd be getting this team at about a $20 discount right now or whoever this bidder is uh it's a super flex format so that's important very important like we just talked about there are only three quarterbacks on roster right now are ryan fitzpatrick baker mayfield and Jameis winston so that's Ooh. not great um it looks like they're gonna have the 104 though so okay you're, you're, so you should be able to get a quarterback a, you know zach wilson justin fields or yep. or trey lance with that pick so you do have a piece to improve on that position but they have miles sanders they have delvin cook they got michael thomas they got tyler lockett kenny galladay amari cooper um wow so, so it's a pretty but the quarterback good team so yeah, yeah. Um, they're missing their third round pick, but they got the first, the second, and their fourth. So this is a team I would consider bidding on. So once you go through the evaluation process, yes, there's a weakness at quarterback, but yes, there is certainly an avenue to improve that. Right. Yeah. You got to, you probably got to go overpay this year to go make it happen. Um, but yeah, you, with, with, like you said, the four pick, which is going to be a quarterback, um, and you, you listed off a lot of really good running back and wide receiver assets. That's certainly a team that you could turn around quickly. Um, mm -hmm. But, yes, understanding on the front end that all of those assets are nothing if you don't have quarterback uh, solved in a super flex league is huge context to know. And, you know, just hearing the names you rattled off, uh, Dalvin Cook would be the, the, the chip on that team that I would probably dangle out there right away to try to get somebody interested for a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shop him for a Dak Prescott or something. You never know. I think that would be a trade that would be worth making. Baker's a really good QB two in Superflex. I'd be totally fine with with Baker Mayfield as one of my starting quarterbacks. But I'm gonna want someone just a little bit better than that to pair with him. And uh, I hope some of these rookie quarterbacks will 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 cash that ticket. But you never know. So I would certainly dangle some of these veterans for you know another quarterback as well. Absolutely. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and on, is it safe leagues? You said, find me a team that you, a couple teams you like and send me some screenshots. I'm going to get into a, I'm going to take over a team this week. And you, uh, the one thing that is worth noting, you're not guaranteed to get these. You can't buy them right away. So oh, okay. you're going to want to keep monitoring it. Like you can place a high bid, but, uh, usually I think they send out e emails the next day. If you're the high bid, you'll get about 24 hours to pay on league save for that team. Once you pay, they send you a link to basically 
accept that roster. So uh, I can send you uh, some screenshots, but you'll have to maybe monitor a little bit. Make sure you have the high bid because um, sometimes you can get into a bidding war and then I just back off and let the other guy have it. Okay, so you've won won the team now. The, the thing to me that would make the most sense, and I know you mentioned this on a previous show, whenever somebody takes over a team, it seems like there's an influx of, you know, a whole bunch of trade offers to that team. Um, it seems like there's a big opportunity there. Um, certainly yeah. you're going to get some awful, awful trade offers. Uh, yeah, people when, like to test the waters with you make sure you're not a, a donk. Right. And I, exactly. And that's exactly what I wanted to say is that you've just gotten into the league. People kind of need to understand where you're at. Um, you haven't given them any reason to know what offends you and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just take it all with a grain of salt, take the offers in respond courteously. I know, uh, in certain leagues where I've been in p- leagues with a guy for a long time and it's the same offer over and over the same type of offer over and over, um, you can get kind of snarky, but I think, Early in these leagues, especially in an orphan, uh, the value of, of communication and, and having a little bit of, uh, you know, mutual respect is going to go a long ways in, in helping you get the roster to feel more like your own roster and not something that somebody else put together. For yeah, you. absolutely. You want to make it feel like your team quickly, but uh, that doesn't mean you got to accept every trade that comes. No. Away. Yeah. Usually the first thing I do when I take over one of these teams is I'll, I'll post on the message board, hey, I just took over the squad. I, I'm always open for negotiations and trading. Shoot me some offers. And then just you kind of find out right away who the the active owners are, who are the people that are easy to negotiate with, and who are the people that are difficult to negotiate with. Knowing the other members of your league are often oftentimes is just as important as knowing your own team. So try to get a good feel for the league as quickly as possible would be some of the better advice I could give as well. Yeah, and you can only do that by just kind of probing and sending out some offers and, um, you know, dialoguing with people it's great when you get into these leagues and there's a group me or a whatsapp chat set up for the league uh that's always a huge thing something that's that's you know kind of a uh something that's a sticker for me in 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 these leagues i like that to be around so i know i can reach out to these people with more than just a a trade offer only um but yeah i think the better and that's frankly just that's just general dynasty advice yeah you know i mentioned that you can get snarkier the the uh you know the temptation to get snarky with some of these bad trade offers you get um, is certainly high, but it never goes well to, to kind of go back and forth. Nobody ever wins in that argument and no. uh, just treating people with respect, regardless of how bad an offer was um, is something that's always, I think going to benefit you regardless of orphan or just existing leagues. Yeah. I always give respect till I get disrespect and then it's game <laughs> on. If you're going to be a jerk to me, then I, I can give it right back. But I always try to be respectful. I hate when you send someone an offer and you get like a, a quick decline where they get like, like, this is a no counter terrible or, offer. Yeah. And they, they like talk trash about, cause I always try to be mindful of the other team's needs and I'll never send an offer where like, say for example, there's a team with six good running backs, but no good receivers. I'm not going to go try and buy their only good receiver and offer right. them a running back so i'm looking at the trade from both sides i i feel like i'm pretty good at making my trades fair and not I, i'm never really trying to rip people off so i hate when people just have to trash your offer immediately it's like let's have some dialogue here yeah i don't necessarily expect you to accept every offer i make but I, if you don't want to negotiate that's fine but at least I, I like to at least send one counter proposal well that's why blind offers are always so hard and why it's better to have some amount of dialogue on the front end of just hey here's what i'm thinking and here's why I'm thinking it might help you. When mm-hmm. you just have to send blind offers back and forth, I think there's often a tendency for people to get offended because uh, they don't quite understand where the other person's coming from. Um, but just, yeah, just keep keep your cool. I mean, seriously, it, it's just dynasty football. Uh, showing respect, you mentioned, you know, when somebody disrespects me, just showing respect back is really the only way to win an argument like that. So. Um, just be respectful in your leagues. I think most of the dynasty community gets this and is pretty good at it. So I don't think we need to keep hammering that. No, Did yeah. you have anything else on orphans you wanted to touch on before we, uh, not really. just, 
wanted to further encourage people to check it out. Uh, Scott Fish does such good things for the community, so mm-hmm. I'd encourage you to try and make his life easier. He donates a ton of money to charities and organizations in need. So with the Scott Fish Bowl and all that, he does. He's one of the the shining lights in the fantasy football world. So just wanted to pimp him a little bit. And uh, yeah, Scott's great. So support the safe leagues. I think it's a good good endeavor for fantasy managers. And I am going to do that this week. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Dynasty Oasis. He's at I, Nasty News. Yep. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you feel obliged, go uh, give us a five-star rating and review. Or you know what? Just give us a rating and review, whatever many stars you think we deserve. Um, and check out the website, www.dynastyoasis.com. Um, we're really excited about it. We hope you are, too. And we hope you'll enjoy what's up there. Uh, get us out of here on a birthday, Newts. Well, before WWW, make sure you put in HTTP backslash. I'm just kidding. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, need that. <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, whose birthday is it? It was Ronda Rousey's birthday. She was pretty sweet in MMA. I uh, wish her career was still going. She had a nice little run there. Yeah, she was one of the funnest to watch for a while. I'm not huge into MMA. Uh, not men's or women's, frankly. But Ronda Rousey was one that I did watch her a few times because she was utter utterly terrifying there for a while yeah she kind of transcended the sport a little bit you know like uh, uh conor mcgregor has yeah. so on and so forth kind of the the tiger woods of mma if you will for for a brief amount of time so Jeez, happy birthday trailblazer ronda. so happy she birthday was, uh, ronda rousey what's that she was pretty good in wwe when she uh was in the pro wrestling game for uh for about a year or two so ronda i would well, like and- to see her back in pro wrestling because she she, she kind of took to it quickly and she dated Turtle in the Entourage movie. <laughs> That's right, she did. So there's that. Happy birthday. Uh, on the Thursday show, uh, we're going to have Super Bowl, some type of Super Bowl predictions, odds, all that type of stuff, all the stuff leading you up to the Super Bowl uh, so you can school your, you know, uh, well, I guess we're not going to probably be doing a lot of social or uh, Super Bowl parties this year, but uh, get your prep for the game, get your prep for one of the funnest Super Bowls in recent memory, in my opinion. I know I said that earlier, but um boy it can't come quick enough because uh, i'm so excited for this matchup and we're gonna have all the uh all the details and all the things to be looking forward to uh this weekend yeah much like bart scott once said can't wait or however he said it i can't wait absolutely that was a terrible impression i'm so sorry (laughs) please come back to the show (laughs) have a good week bye